Hi everyone, welcome to the very first episode of Mastering Veganism. Uh, it's the 2nd of January, so we're just in time for Veganuary. I don't know how you found us, but if you came because of Veganuary, this is just the right place for you because we will be telling you how to master every single challenge that is thrown at you. Um, so yeah, I'm Maggie. I'm here with my co-host Damien. Hi everybody. <laughs> uh, we'll give you a short introduction to ourselves And then we will talk about the challenges that we personally faced and three challenges that people from the community um, are facing right now. So, um, should you, do you want to start? Should I start? Um, yeah, I can, I can pick this up and start. Yeah? All right. So, thank you, Maggie, for the introduction. Um, first, let me tell you, it's a pleasure doing this with you. Or with me, or with the community. <laughs> well, with everyone, I guess. <laughs> with everyone, but especially with you. Um, so my vegan journey started back in 2016 and I actually never planned on becoming a vegan and I was quite um, into eating meat and dairy back in the day and then I remember we were on a road trip back from mm -hmm. Belgium um, and I was driving I'm pretty sure it was 2017 though um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah you're right it was 2017 yeah so we were back in the car, I was driving, everybody else was asleep. It's for people um, not from Europe, it's about an eight hour drive. So quite long, I was driving the whole distance and everybody was asleep and I was listening to an audiobook version of Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. And it's not a book about veganism at all, but there's a chapter where he talks about uh, livestock farming. And he points out that actually The method overall of how we farm livestock hasn't changed in the last roughly 10,000 of years. Mm -hmm. um, it has been made much more efficient so we can produce more meat per square meter. But the overall process of how we manipulate and slaughter animals hasn't changed at all. And this kind of stuck with me because I am an engineer by trade and I do believe in technology and also social progress driven by technology and this just somehow really clashed with my beliefs and I, for the first time I actually questioned what I was doing and what we are doing as society as a whole in what we eat and how we produce our foods. So starting from that I didn't turn vegan overnight but it took me at least half a year of just you know eating less and less and less meat. Um, but I wouldn't call myself a vegan for at least half a year. I just ate less and less and less meat until I, at some point I realized that I haven't been eating meat or dairy in, in months. And then mm -hmm. it was basically the first time that I, I called myself a vegan. Also, back then I was working for a management consulting company. And I would spend most of my day actually at large, very large corporate clients. And becoming vegan in such an environment presented its very unique uh, kind of challenges but I guess we'll come back to that later yeah so Maggie how about you um yes so I'm Maggie as mentioned before um my journey started in July 2017 I was at a seminar with some of my colleagues from uni and one of my friends she went jogging and when she came back she showed me a picture of a baby cow that she had met along the way and that picture was of the baby cow licking her hand 
And remember seeing that photo and thinking, "Oh my god, <laughs> I eat this animal! Like, I literally eat a baby." And that moment just really stuck with me because it just kind of clicked. So, were you eating?、Um... Yeah. So I I ate a lot of meat back then. I I think I'd had I had meat every single day at least, and obviously like butter and cheese and milk and. No, actually, milk was the first thing I gave up in my coffee, but everything else I would eat on a daily basis. So I never really questioned it at all.、Um, but yeah, seeing that baby, I remember that I had eaten、um, veal the day before, and then I was like, "That's it. I'm gonna become a vegetarian. I'm not gonna eat any more animals." And on the first of July of two thousand seventeen was the first day of trying out Vegetarian Month. And from there, it kind of spiraled into a lot of research and reading studies, watching documentaries, and just really getting into all that stuff. And finally, Damien and I watched What the Health, and we decided to try a vegan month. And I kind of stuck with it ever since.、Um, you know, it's actually a shame thinking about it now that they haven't had. Produce game changers back then, because otherwise、yeah. we probably would have switched way quicker. Yeah, if you haven't watched Game Changers,、um, it's a documentary that you can watch on Netflix. It's mind blowing. It's absolutely brilliant. You should really watch it. It's about、uh, pro pro athletes and what, what's the guy again? He's a like martial arts. Yeah, and he's recovering. Oh yeah, he's recovering, he's recovering from, from injury. Yeah, exactly. Then he goes along this journey about finding out, like、uh, discovering how, how nutrition plays a big role in in recovery and、um, and general、um, performance. Yeah, and some of the best athletes in the world are actually part of the documentary. So if you haven't watched that yet, that's one of our pro research tips that you should definitely look up on. And it's not really research; it's more. It's very entertaining as, as well. Yeah, it's entertaining, of course. Yeah, but if you need some facts on health. Then、uh, you should definitely go there. Okay, back to the topic. Where were back we? Back to the topic. Yes. So、um, today's episode. Today's episode. Yeah. So, why don't you tell us what today's episode is about? Yeah,、um, it's going to be about challenges that we personally faced during the first few months、uh, once we turned vegan, and also we asked our community what their challenges are, and we got three people who came back to us. No, actually, we got more. We just selected three、yeah. for this episode. Yeah, yeah. we selected three.、Uh, one of them that we selected was a big one. So stay tuned. <laughs> um. So, but before before we dive into this, can you maybe elaborate a bit on who this podcast is for? Who should listen to that and why? Yeah. So this podcast is definitely for vegan newbies. I remember when I just started becoming vegan, I had so many questions. I didn't know, for example, if I'm still allowed to wear my leather shoes or my leather jacket, if that was forbidden somehow in the vegan community. So it's just kind of like a guide、um, for people who just start off becoming vegan, people who are curious about starting veganism, or just I don't know. Even if you're a seasoned vegan, maybe you just like. Listening to <laughs> to us to get some more insights. I don't know. And it's not just about if you're allowed to wear other clothes. It's also about you know general、uh, insights into nutrition and how to deal with social challenges、yeah. that may come up, and generally what to expect when you first start out being a vegan and how to overcome、mm-hmm. all these challenges. 
Yeah, because I think there are two sorts of challenges that a vegan has to face. First, like the internal struggles, kind of like cravings and hunger and whatnot, and your own own moral compass. But then there's also the outer part of it, where you have social pressure, maybe, where you go out for dinner and you kind of have to justify yourself, or you feel like you have to justify yourself. Um, yeah, things like yeah, that. And along with that, all the logistical challenges. Yeah. That's a big one too. Where do you find your food and how do you kind of, you know, deal with selecting restaurants and all of that? Yeah. So cool, Maggie. Yes. So today's episode, as mentioned, the challenges. Um, so why, do, why don't you go ahead and tell us about what you suffered most from or what challenged right. you most? So I'm going to be honest. I'm not one for cookies and muffins and whatnot. I'm really not that much into the sugary stuff. But what I love is all that salty stuff. And what I loved especially back then was salmon. Literally, I could eat salmon every single day. And sashimi, oh my God, I love sashimi so much with my with my um, sushi. Yeah, I remember this is one of the first things that actually we cooked or you cooked when we, when we met. Yeah, salmon. Yeah. So giving up salmon was a big one for me because with fish, I think a lot of people don't see how fish are in pain or... A lot of people think, yeah, fish, whatever, like, they don't feel it. Yeah, they're not very smart. And actually, they're very smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it took me a while to kind of figure that out. And once I researched it more and more and actually figured out, yeah, fish do feel pain, but we just, they just don't show it the way maybe a human would or another animal Yeah, I mean, they, they like the ability to talk. Exactly. Is, um, it's a bit of a problem. And... Then also the devastating effects that fishing actually has on our planet. Like, that's huge. The amount of fish that are killed every single day is absolutely unbelievable. And yeah, after researching all that, I it was easier for me to give up fish. But that was a big struggle for me to kind of get rid of my ego or my selfishness in that part. And yeah. So how did, how did you deal with it? Just information? Yeah, just information. Information and then also kind of reconsidering the choices that I make. Because at the end of the day, you eat fish and you have 10 minutes or 15 minutes of pleasure eating it. But for that fish, it was its life. So it's a progress. Or process. <laughs> it's yeah, a, yeah. It's a process. Um, it's definitely a progress. <laughs> And that was a big challenge for me. And then the other one was, once I kind of found myself in the vegan sphere, I was like, oh my God, shoot, I'm a vegan now. But I was, I'm almost embarrassed to say it now, but back then I was also embarrassed to say that I'm vegan. Like, it took me, I think, a few months to actually confess to people that I've turned vegan, because I was thinking, oh my God, these cliches and yeah yeah, I I just didn't feel like I wanted to be judged and also it's a commitment once you say you're vegan I feel like there's no turning back or at least that's how it I mean there is there is turning back but you make yourself quite a fool in front of everybody yeah because most people turn vegan due to like ethical reasons I know there are Mm. a lot of people who are doing for health reasons now but for me it was really a commitment to it so I knew if I wanted to call myself a vegan now, 
I'm going to commit to it 100% and I'm going to do it for all the right reasons, whatever that means. Um, yeah, I guess that's way easier nowadays. Yeah. At least for me, like once you've done it for for about two years and you know you will not go back because mm-hmm. you know what it means and you have adapted to it. It's way easier to say, okay, I'm vegan. and Yeah. You're, because you're sure you're not turning back. Exactly. Back then it was a lot of, yeah, a lot of uncertainty involved. Yeah. So I would say what I like to call the shame of being a vegan and the process of coming out. Um, so yeah, these are my challenges. What about you, Damien? These were just two. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get into more of the challenges that... Didn't you say I've... three? Okay. No, no, That's... we have three people or three people who gave us challenges. As I said before, I was working or spending my time mainly um, at big corporates when I first started out my journey to becoming a vegan. And this was kind of difficult because on one on one side we had a lot of pre-organized lunch events, conferences, dinners with clients or dinners with the team, other kind of company events. I was on the road a lot, so I would spend it roughly or an average three three days per week um, in a hotel and this was not easy for me logistically because often meals were pre-organized mm-hmm. and also hotels and you wouldn't believe this if you don't know but even expensive hotels in Europe or even globally don't usually have a lot of vegan options or good vegan options so logistically this was very challenging in the beginning and also socially it was kind of challenging because the whole topic about veganism it often comes up during during a meal so somebody sees you're not eating meat you don't have dairy on your plate so they will ask you like so hey uh, are you allergic are you vegan what's Mm up people will just almost always ask you automatically even without you saying anything about it and in the beginning for me this was quite delicate in the corporate environment because this is a sensitive topic and people whether they want to or not, often get emotional about it. Yeah, they get super worked up around it, yeah. about it. Especially if you're a vegan and so- sometimes or oftentimes people feel they have to discuss with you about whether this is right or wrong and defend their own positions mm-hmm. why they eat meat or not. And yeah, it was for me quite difficult, you know, to stay or to always have this discussion in a way that's polite and, you know, keep my distance and not confronting people too much, but still kind of make my point. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I figured it out pretty well, I think. But in the beginning, I didn't expect it to be that complex. And I actually didn't expect people to ask me about it at all because I kind of figured, you know, food choices are something private, mm-hmm. but apparently they're not. Yeah, people like to have discussions over it. You, you also see it when there is a news article about veganism. Like, those articles are the ones with the most comments under it. Yeah. Everyone defending their own choices and kind yeah, of criticizing other people's choices. So, yeah, I get that point. Yeah, it's very polarizing. Yeah. It's very, very polarizing. You know, I remember this one story. So I was um, at the cafeteria with my team and some some uh, people of my clients team and we were having lunch. And actually, in that very week, the cafeteria... They banned single-use plastics like straws and cups and like all these things. And there was a a person sitting on the opposite side of the table and she was eating a fish. And at the same time as she was eating that fish, she was talking about how good it is that, you know, 
We're talking about a Swiss company in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. We, and we don't have ocean access for people that don't know that. Uh, so how good it is that they ban single-use plastic so we wouldn't pollute the oceans. And actually, I've done my research on that, and Swiss plastics very rarely ends up in the ocean mm-hmm. because we have very good uh, garbage disposal systems. So she was um, basically sitting next to me or opposite of me and talking about how good it is that they would have banned single-use plastics, you know, to save the fish. But while she, eating the fish. While yeah. eating a fish. And this was, you know, it was very hard for me not to, you know. Yeah. It's, I, I read a quote that says, people are so willing to give up single band plastics to save the fish but are not willing to give up eating fish to save the fish yeah yeah yeah. so and i was kind of you know still i was trying to get or the day before i was trying to get some takeaway and i couldn't so we were discussing that and i said actually you know it's kind of a it's not a very efficient system if i can't get takeaway food anymore and i'd rather eat on my desk and you know hurry Mm -hmm. up so i can go home earlier tonight Mm -hmm. rather than staying until midnight every day in the office and then she was like you know pretty aggressive about it how you know single-use plastics is very um in regards to the takeaway dish yeah or yeah take oh, okay. the takeaway bowls so how single-use plastics is very irresponsible to use because it pollutes the ocean but she was eating fish so yeah sometimes it's very hard yeah. to you know i mean situations like that happen all the time right yeah. that's just one very good example of how it can go down but it's yeah. not um as rare as one would think actually Okay. So, should we talk about the three challenges that the community told us that they have? Yes. Okay. Let's start with the first one. Yeah. So, um, actually, that's one of your friends, right? Um, I, I consider him our friend, but yeah. So, of course, he's our <laughs> friend, but <laughs> he told it to you. So that's okay. Why. Okay. Yeah. But it's a good one. It's an interesting one because also it's a very common one. So this guy, he's a very competitive athlete. He does a does Ironman um, competitions. He's also not too bad at it. And then after watching Game Changers, he decided to give veganism a shot just because um, there might be a potential to, you know, still increase um, his performance. Actually, it's going very good, but it's, or he's struggling to get enough calories and Mm -hmm. also that he has, uh, he told me that he has lost some weight. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, and I think especially for for new vegans, that's a very, very common uh, problem because if you look at how Western cuisine is built, it's usually three components, right? It's a protein component, which is usually meat. There's always some carb component, which is pasta, rice, or bread. And there is some vegetable slash fruit component. And many people, when they start out first, what they do is just they remove the the meat component and they keep the rest as it is so basically they eat a side dish and this doesn't work out usually very well because you have to eat a lot of side dishes in order to get your calories especially your protein mm-hmm. so we will cover this in a later podcast in much more detail but I think the bottom line here is you need to rethink what you eat more holistically than just replacing or omitting yeah um, omitting omitting yeah, yeah. yeah you need to replace things or mm-hmm. just change the system but you cannot just simply omit um, individual components of your food Mm -hmm. I think the best way is to actually change your plate as a whole so rediscovering or discovering new dishes new plants new fruits and vegetables that you might not have tried out before and um, yeah instead of just 
taking something away. Because if you take away your chicken, then you're just going to end up with vegetables and rice, and that's yeah. not enough to fulfill your or daily. fries. Yeah, yeah. In, in the worst case. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So Maggie, next. Yeah. Someone else from the community. She mentioned that she would like to be vegan, um, and she actually doesn't buy any leather products or wool or silk or whatever. But when she goes out to eat, she really struggles because they have a canteen at the office, and they don't really have many vegan options. And also, when they go out, or when she goes out for dinner, um, she doesn't really have vegan options at the dinner at the restaurant. So my tip for her is preparation is absolute key. So if you know that the canteen doesn't have many vegan options, just bring your own food, prepare in advance, do meal prep, and also push the cafeteria. Ask them for vegan options regularly, um, because our experience have shown that the more people ask for it, the more willing the cafeteria or canteen or whatever is. To introduce vegan options, so just keep pushing it. Ask them, and yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately they're a business, right? Yeah, exactly. If you see the opportunity to make profits by offering a certain meal, mm -hmm. they eventually will. Yeah. Exactly. So um, for the canteen part or food at the office, I would just recommend doing meal prep because then you can also you can also see exactly what's in it. You can stay healthy and you can fulfill your daily. Um, calories like that. Yeah. I mean, look. Honestly, I would like to say there is some kind of quick fix. You know, do this, and then the whole problem um, is solved. Uh, unfortunately, it's not how the world works yeah. nowadays. There is more and more vegan options, but I guess, yeah, planning, planning, planning is really key mm -hmm. to solve this. That's really important because we had to learn that the hard way. Um, we kind of thought that, all oh, right, if we go to a restaurant, they will most likely have something vegan. But actually, what we recommend is call them, call them up and ask if they have something, or just say that you are vegan and that you would be really grateful if they prepared you something. Um, because restaurants are actually really willing to cater to vegans; they just need to know in advance. So if you go out to dinner and you're not sure if they have something vegan, check up their menu. If there's nothing on it, just call them up. Yeah, I even have one one restaurant once because we had a kind of a, a reservation with the whole group. And I was the only vegan in the restaurant. It was a, uh. a southern fried chicken <laughs> establishment, and they didn't have a single vegan option. Um, but they even offered me to order food from another restaurant, and then they would kind of, you know, put it on their plate and serve it. Yeah. Cool. So, what else do we have? All right, I'm gonna have to read this off because it's uh, about milk and cheese. Um, a lot of people are not. A lot of people can turn vegan, or they say they can turn vegan because they love cheese so much, and yeah. that's such a like literally. I keep, I keep hearing literally, this. people are like, you know what? I could turn. I would turn vegan right away. I don't care about the meat. Um, I don't care about the eggs. But, but don't oh my god! Yeah. Don't take away my cheese. Don't take away my cheese. So, there is a study that shows that cheese is addictive. It's it can be as addictive as heroin. And the reason for that is casein. Casein is animal protein, and um, there are fragments in there called casomorphines. And this is a casein-derived morphine-like compound. All right, morphine. 
And basically, dairy protein has opiate molecules built in. And when you consume these, these fragments attach to the same brain receptors that heroin and other narcotics attach to. And obviously, this is really helpful if you have a baby, because then the baby will come back to you for, yeah, the, the, baby for cow the milk, keeps, right? So the baby cow comes back sucking, to the yeah. mother. <laughs> yes. Um, and the same is with other mammals. And to put this into perspective, a cup of milk contains 7.7 grams of protein, of which 80% is casein. And when you convert that to cheese, uh, like cheddar, for example, the protein content multiplies sevenfold to 56 grams. Per hundred gram? Per cup. Okay. Um, and that makes it the most concentrated form of casein in any food in the grocery store. So basically, if milk is cocaine, then cheese is crack. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So, um, but, but, yeah. so, okay, now we know why people are addicted to cheese and they won't give it up. But, yeah. So how, what would you um, advise people or recommend people how they can get over their cheese addiction? I think a good first step is to actually know that it's addictive because I think a lot of people aren't really aware of that. And once you know that you're basically addicted to infant's milk and that it's that's kind of activating all these receptors in the brain I don't know that's I think that's the first good step to kind of realizing that and the second um, tip I have is just try out vegan cheese and so vegan cheese replacements vegan cheese replacements alternatives alternatives yeah um, it's not going to be the same as milk but you will find with time, once you turn vegan uh, or you try vegan, that your sense, like sense of smell and sense of taste will really change. Yeah. And with time, you will actually think that cheese smells gross, milk will taste yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Um, but this takes time. So don't be too harsh on yourself, but really be aware of where this milk or cheese is coming from, what it does to your body. And then try to find alternatives that you really like. And then just exchanging the cow's milk or cow's cheese with an alternative. And also a good first start, um, at least for me, was uh, using nooch, so nutritional yeast, oh, yeah. as a replacement for cheese to put for on parmesan. pasta. Yeah. yeah, replacement for parmesan um, on pasta and salads mm-hmm. and so on. Um, it's a really good replacement for Parmesan, um, but also for cheesy sauces. So um, actually, we're posting a recipe for fondue today, and you will see that with cashews. Vegan fondue. Yeah, vegan fondue, obviously. <laughs> and you will see that with cashews and nutritional yeast, you can make amazing, amazing foods that taste almost like cheese, but don't come with all the cruelty involved. Nice. Noise. <laughs> noise. Noise and toit. Yeah. So, what else? What is left to say? I think that's it. Um, we're really curious to hear what you're you're struggling with right now and if there is anything that you want to have answered by us. Um, as mentioned, every episode will cover one struggle that, um, that vegans may face. Um, so just stay tuned for that. And where can people find us? So, um us or yeah yeah all right all right (laughs) so you can find us on masteringveganism.com 
or you can follow us at mastering.veganism on Twitter uh, no. not Twitter Instagram, Instagram. we're Instagram. not on Twitter no no Twitter we're not on Twitter um, and we will be posting tips on studies on movies documentaries um, books and also we'll be posting recipes that will make it easier for you to transition nice so yeah um, next week we will cover what are we covering next week no idea Ah uh, yes, right. So we will be covering what to expect in your first month. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, oh, yeah. It's yeah. got to be an interesting one. Yeah. We're going to be talking about bloating, about digestion, about nice skin, <laughs> more energy. Farts. Farts, yeah. So we will be posting this bi-weekly. Yeah, I think that's it. So... Just follow us on Instagram. Make sure you tell us what you're struggling with. And yeah, you will hear from us in uh, two weeks again. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>